if you've ever thought of how strange it is that God commands us to love him. Like, if I were to command you to love me, I would probably be like a narcissist or an egomaniac. You have to love me. I command you. Um, If a human being were to command this to another human being, it, it wouldn't work. But somehow, God commanding us, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, that makes sense. Um, for the reason that the second reading says uh, in the letter to the Colossians that everything is summed up in Christ. In Christ we see the image of the invisible God and everything that exists exists through him and for him. It's just a philosophical or theological way of saying everything that exists exists for the glory of God. Because God is not a human being. God is the source of everything that exists. It's his self-emptying love. He is love. His self-emptying love causes everything to exist. And us, the crown of his creation, man and woman, made in the image of God, our hearts, it's like we're made to love him back. So yes, it's a command, but it's also just like in our DNA. It's like you don't need to command a good golden retriever to retrieve the tennis ball. That's why they were made. But human beings, we are made to love and to glorify God. But we're sinners. So we end up not doing that, right? We thwart our own happiness. We thwart our own being by loving other things. And love is very close to worship. To love God is to worship him, right? To make him the center of my life. To have everything I do, think, say, want, revolve around him. To serve him some way. But we love other things um, that aren't God. And that's called idolatry when we love and worship something other than Jesus, other than God. And that is a sin, of course. It upsets God, but not for the reason a human being might be upset if you stopped worshiping him or her and felt jealous or or petty um, or somehow uh, unrequited. But rather, God sees that it hurts us when we worship or love something other than God. Because why? Because our idols don't love us back. It says in the Old Testament about the graven images that the, the, um, like the Philistines and the other pagans would make, that they have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have ears, but they cannot hear. It even says they have nostrils, but they cannot smell, like obviously. But uh, the point is that these calves and these, these um, gods that you carve out of gold and wood and silver, um, they might be right in front of you and you can control them and you, you, you love them and you cherish them and you serve them, but they can't love you back. They don't serve you back. They can't hear your prayers. And so what God is constantly doing to Israel and what he finally does for us in Jesus uh, definitively is to, uh, to uh, bring us back to the kind of life-giving worship and love of God that we're made for. But it's not just that he came to command us, you know, love me, do better. It's that he loves us first. There's a reason that God became man, so that he could accomplish this mystery in our humanity that he shares with us, so we can share in his divinity. So this Good Samaritan story, this is like one of the classic, there's laws on the books in many states called Good Samaritan laws. This is like one of the most culturally um, available and, and legible stories in the New Testament. The idea of the Good Samaritan, that someone has been um, left to dead by robbers, They've taken all his money, all his stuff, injured him mortally, 
and he's stuck in a ditch and he's going to die. But this good Samaritan comes by after the priest and the Levite have ignored him and picks him up in his misery out of the ditch, pours oil and wine on his wounds, brings him to an inn, pays his rent and, and tells the, the innkeeper he'll pay whatever he needs to on the way back for whatever expenses he incurs. This overwhelming generosity. That's obviously what Christ is calling us to. And most of us read that like, oh, I should be like a good Samaritan. That's what Christ wants. That's what it means to love my neighbor as myself. That's what I would want someone to do for me, so that's what I must do for others. But primarily, it's about a story of how, it's a story of how much God loves us. And if we don't read it that way first, all that it is is just another uh, command from heaven to do something that we sinners are unable to do on our own. But the Good Samaritan story is, is Jesus coming to us in our misery. And the story is very dramatic, uh, obviously. Um, if you've ever been to Jerusalem or Jericho, it's a long distance. And in those days, apparently, it was a very dangerous walk. Um, in a way, it's, it's sort of like the foolish fall of Adam and Eve. Like they've gone, he, He's gone away from Jerusalem to Jericho and fallen victim. Just like Adam and Eve are exiled from the garden, they fall victim to the lies of the evil one, the serpent. And they're trapped and, and in need of, of salvation. That's the same way that Jesus... Uh, comes to to each of us is that we have fallen in some pit we have made something an idol and and have fallen victim to this we've loved and served something that doesn't love us back um and that that makes us sad i was just walking the other night one of these beautiful nights that we've been having uh in in a park nearby here and as i was coming to the park i just heard a child crying and it was a little boy, and as I came around the corner and I could see the little boy crying, he was by himself. And speeding away from him were probably his sister and one of her friends or something, two girls that were slightly older. He was probably three, they were maybe five or six. And he was crying, and they were riding these little three-wheeled scooters that I see a lot of kids have. It seems like it's the big trendy toy right now. And they, they have wheels that light up. They're, like, very cool. And these sisters are speeding away um, while the kid is just crying and it, it, appears that he doesn't have a scooter or that he's too small to ride the scooter and they're running away from him and having fun by themselves and he's left there. And he, eventually he stops crying and he just starts walking across the field towards his mother who is talking to one of her friends. And so you have the older sisters here, you have the mom and her friends, the adults, and then you have little three-year-old boy. And there was something in that image that really struck my heart, that really pulled at my heart. And it, I realized it would have been weird for me to go comfort that child. He doesn't know me. Um, but in a way, it was like a message from God. I could see in that child myself and have very similar memories from, from that time. Just like when you realize in life that there's a question, am I fundamentally alone? Am I of any value whatsoever? You know, do I fit in? Where is my place? Does anyone notice me? You know, or, or is it worth crying? You know, is anybody going to come to save me? You know, it's a simple, it's not a, a robber, or it's not a, a, a person stuck in a ditch beat half to death. It's just a little child. But it, in a way, it's the same thing. It's all of us in our hearts longing for communion, longing to be seen and loved in a way that's intense and personal and focused, the way that God loves us. This is the gospel, St. John says in the first, his first letter. Whoever is without love does not know God. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. 
God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also must love one another. A few months ago in December, myself, Father Tim, Monica, and Becca, the staff here at the Newman Center, we we took a day off after the first semester was over, and we just prayed and discerned what the core purpose of the Newman Center was, so that we could be sure that everything, that every, what we're doing here, serves the fundamental purpose of why God wants this Newman Center to exist. And what we discerned was the Newman Center exists to help college students have an experience of Christ so that they be, can become fully alive in Him. To, to help college students encounter Christ so that they can become fully alive in Him. And that is basically what John is saying in a much more eloquent way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might have life through him. Jesus says, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Not so that they can follow the rules more closely or, or serve me better. Us loving God is not for his sake. It's for our sake. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times in the spiritual life, um, we're thinking that I have to do something to please God. That this Good Samaritan story, okay, I got to be better. I have to make heroic sacrifices. I have to be more generous. I have to be a saint. And what that means is I need to do something to impress God. Or at the very least, I have to stop doing things that frustrate, annoy, or make him mad. That's my fundamental job as a Christian. Do we really believe that our job as Christians is to let God give me life? To come to me in my misery? To heal my wounds? to be present to me in absolutely every aspect of my life, that I am never a little boy stuck in a field alone and nobody's paying attention to him, full of all these desires and confused by his own heart and what it wants and wondering if there's anything in the world that could ever answer those desires, that God comes to us in our misery, in our desire, desiring to fulfill them, desiring to fill us. And so this is no more obvious than what we're doing Today, right now, and every Sunday, and every day at this altar, what the Eucharist is, is Jesus, is the presence of God, this promise that he is with us even to the end of time. That this presence is irrevocable, that he is for us, and that if we can't receive him, that he gives us the sacrament of confession to heal our wounds, to bring us back, to put us back on our feet so that we can stand with him. And finally then, become another Christ. When you receive Jesus, you become Jesus. And then you can be the Good Samaritan. Then you yourself are like a fountain that God has planted in the world to give other people life, to to slake their thirst, to look outward, not just at myself and what I need, but to to grow up into the full stature of the body of Christ and to give ourselves as he gave himself to us. And so the question is, do I believe in the gospel? The gospel that St. John says, that that God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that we might have life? Or have I believed in some other thing that's not the gospel? Or have I served some God, lowercase g, that's not a real God, that won't love me back? Do I love the one who loves me?